Hi, welcome to the New Covenant Presbyterian Church Sermon Podcast, a congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the OPC, in the San Francisco Bay Area. What does the Bible say about the atonement? Now, this is uh, part three looking at this particular question. We looked in part one at the difference between an objective and a subjective atonement. A subjective atonement is not even really an atonement. Uh, it's simply you know, trying to encourage uh, people to act in a certain way uh, based on some morally good deed. Uh, we saw that there was a necessity for an objective atonement. Then in part two, we looked at the necessity to have an atonement made by God himself. That not just that God provides the atonement, but that God must die to provide the atonement to save his people. And we saw that this is the reason why the incarnation was necessary. This is the reason why an angel could not save us. It's the reason why a sinless man could not save us. Only the Lord Jesus Christ could save because he is both God uh, and man. And we saw this with regard to Anselm and his theory of, of the atonement from the Middle Ages. Uh, that's called the satisfaction theory of the atonement. Now in, in, uh, in part three, we're going to be looking at uh, some of the applications and implications of the description of the sacrifices of the Old Testament, and particularly looking at um, what what is actually happening when an atonement is made. What are the, the different parts that must be in place for an atonement to be made? And we see this particularly with, with the Levitical system uh, of the sacrifices. Um, you'll know if you're familiar with this system, there are uh, five main sacrifices uh, that are recounted in the opening chapters of Leviticus. We have uh, the burnt offering, uh, uh, the grain offering, we have the fellowship or peace offering, we have the sin offering, uh, and we have the guilt offering. These are the, the, the five uh, main sacrifices. As you read through the uh, Leviticus, what you'll find is that uh, particularly the burnt offering and the sin offering are the two that when you find them together, this really is when an atonement is made. And so this provides us uh, something of a clue to help us to understand uh, what are the necessary elements of an atonement and what what Christ is fulfilling when we think about uh, him uh, sacrificing himself on the cross. In what way did that uh, act as an atonement? What is actually happening? Now, it's important to note here that when we think about these, these five main sacrifices that are found in the opening chapters of Leviticus, that Christ is the one who fulfills every single one of them. So all of these uh, different sacrifices given at different times and with slightly different uh, ways of doing them uh, teach us something new about the atonement. They, they teach us something different about the atonement. And so um, when Christ dies, he dies one time, and he immediately, in that one death, is fulfilling all of these different parts uh, of the atonement. And so the two main things we want to look at uh, in part three are the ideas of expiation and propitiation. And these are really the two things. If you have expiation and propitiation, you have an atonement. And this is what we see in Leviticus as well. And these two are related first and foremost to uh, the burnt offering is related to propitiation and then the sin offering, which is expiation. So we have the burnt offering, propitiation, and the sin offering is expiation. Now the guilt offering is related to the sin offering, so it's also expiatory. And the grain offering goes along with the burnt offering. So in, in, the, in that sense, then that is um, propitiatory. The, the last sacrifice, the, the peace offering, is basically the, the fellowship that the believer has as a result of the atonement that has been made. So in the peace offering, there is a, a meal that one has with God, which shows that, that there's this progression. There is propitiation, expiation. Once that's accomplished, then man has fellowship with God. That's basically the logic of the, of the Levitical system. So there needs to be an atonement made, and then the result is that man is, in fact, reconciled with God. He can have uh, peace with God. 
And so um, that's an overview of the system. Now, what do we mean when we say that, uh, and that one of the elements of the atonement is propitiation? Uh, and what do we mean when we say, uh, talk about expiation? And how do these relate to the burnt offering and the sin offering, respectively? Um, well, it's important to, 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 to understand what the burnt offering is, uh, to understand how it teaches us that the atonement that is made on behalf of God's people must have a propitiatory element. So if you look back to the, the very first reference to a, a burnt offering, it comes in a connection with the flood. So the flood comes, wipes out all of mankind. This is because of the sins of the people. We are told then that uh, God uh, is still uh, angry with his people, uh, uh, with people in general, in that um, their natures haven't changed. The flood did not really wipe away all of sin. Uh, we see Noah sinning in uh, Genesis 9 in ways that are parallel with Adam. And we see sins being committed uh, after that as well. And so what was it then that actually turned the wrath of God? It actually is not the flood in terms of the narrative. Uh, it is, in fact, the burnt offering. So God is angry. He's displeased with man. We see that with regard to uh, the judgment that came in the flood. And then the thing that turned God's wrath was when Noah offered up a burnt offering. And the way that this is described in Genesis is that he, he takes the animal, he kills it, it's burned. And then there is an aroma that goes up to God. God smells the aroma and then he turns away his wrath. And this really is the idea of propitiation. This is the, the image that if you want to think about, um, you know, this complicated term propitiation that you know many people don't know what it means. Um, you want to think about a, a simple way to understand it. It's just the burnt offering. The smoke rises, the pleasing aroma rises to God. He smells it, and he's no longer angry. Propitiation is the idea that God's wrath is satisfied, that he's no longer angry with sins. And so one of the things that is a defining feature of the burnt offering is that the entire animal is consumed. The entire animal is, is uh, turned into this pleasing aroma. It rises to God, God smells the aroma, and then he turns away from his wrath. So when we think about propitiation, we're thinking about the element of the atonement that is particularly related to God and even more particularly related to God's wrath. Propitiation is the, the element of the atonement that fixes the problem that we have in terms of the wrath of God. God's wrath remains on us until his wrath is, is satisfied. And that's what we're saying happens with the burnt offering and is in fact uh, what we find the Lord Jesus Christ uh, doing uh, with regard to, uh, with regard to uh, his death on the cross. So there is a, a curse that must be paid. You think of, of um, Galatians chapter 3. Uh, Christ, um, Christ became a curse for us. Paul talks about curse is everyone who, who hangs on the tree. Uh, but the Lord Jesus Christ uh, became a curse for us in order to redeem us from the curse of the law. So he becomes the curse for us that he might redeem us uh, from that curse. And in so doing, he is then satisfying God's wrath. So because of, of the curse, uh, we are under God's wrath. God pours his wrath out on his son, and then he's no longer angry uh, then uh, with his people. So this is the idea of propitiation. Now, the, the, the uh, second element of an atonement is expiation. And really, in terms of the liturgical order of Leviticus, uh, expiation comes first. So there is, there is expiation that's made, and then there is propitiation that's made. And uh, expiation is uh, directed towards our sins. So propitiation is directed towards God. So there is the, the wrath that must be satisfied. The pleasing aroma goes up to God. The 
Expiation is related to our sins. Our sins defile us. They make us dirty. We must be cleansed. The idea of cleansing, the cleansing from the pollution of sin, is the idea of expiation. And so Christ's blood uh, covers us, cleanses us. We're made uh, perfectly pure by that blood. And insofar as that is uh, the case, then our sins are atoned for. We are cleansed from our sins such that we can enter God's presence without being consumed. And God is no longer displeased with us. These are the two things that we must have if we are to have uh, uh, fellowship with God. If we are to be able to have an atonement made and then be able to go in and have a uh, enjoy a peace offering with God. To be in his presence. Uh, and so these are the, 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 the two main elements. If you want to think about the, the expiatory effects of Christ's death. Um, you need look no further than Hebrews chapter 9. Uh, basically, the entire thing is, is about the expiation that Christ has, uh, has accomplished on behalf of his people. The idea there was that in the Old Testament, uh, the ministry there, it could, not perfect, uh, it, it could not perfect the sinner with regard to his conscience. It could only provide a sort of outward uh, kind of purification. But Christ's death purifies us even to our conscience. It purifies even our souls that we might have peace with God. It cleanses us so thoroughly from our sins that now we can serve the living God without fear. So this idea of, of cleansing, the cleansing element of, of Christ's blood is uh, is what we mean when we talk about uh, propitiation. And if you have these two elements, again, propitiation and expiation, uh, these would be the, the two elements of the larger term, which is uh, an atonement. And if, if you have these two, then uh, you can then uh, take on the, the next step, which is uh, the peace offering wherein reconciliation with God uh, is manifest. So the idea of the atonement then, if you wanted to, to know elements, propitiation, expiation, the goal of it is actual reconciliation. And that's what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his death on the cross, God's wrath is satisfied. Uh, we are cleansed from our sins. Therefore, we are reconciled to God and we have access to him and fellowship with him. Such is the glory of the atonement, such is the offer of the gospel, that if you turn to Christ, you will be covered by this blood and, and you will have your sins atoned for. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can visit our website at newcovenantopc.com. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. If you've benefited from this ministry and want to know of ways you can help or support it, we'd like to make you aware of our new capital campaign to build a new building. God has recently blessed us with growth here at New Covenant. Over the years, our church has been small. It's gone up and down, but overall things have been tight financially and the church has been small. Now, by the grace of God, we are growing. We believe it wise in light of this to think about building a new building to facilitate even more growth. Our current building only seats 72. We cannot fit any more seats, and if we were to fill every single one, every Lord's Day we would have no more than 72. The plans for our new building would more than double the capacity and enable us to grow to a point where we can be stable financially and even be able to help other churches. One of the things that we want to, to be is a church that is able to look beyond itself for the sake of the advancement of the kingdom of God. We believe that this new building can help us get there. And so we are praying that God would provide for us the funds needed to build a new building, that we would grow to fill it, and that one day we would even be able to plant a church ourselves. As you know, doing ministry here in the Bay Area, this is a very dark place. 
there was a great need for the light of the gospel to shine, particularly in this place, uh, through the preaching of the word. And so if you want to support us and to, to support our efforts to see this new building built, please consider giving a financial gift to this end. You can give by sending us a check with building fund in the memo line. Our address can be found on our website. You can also give by Zelle by sending the money to nc.opcssf.treasurer at gmail.com with building fund in the memo line. May God bless you with a greater knowledge of his word and zeal for his name.